Hello and welcome. This is Day One Patch Podcast, episode 465. I'm your host, Ryan Johnson. Today I got with me Tim Spence. I'm here. How was your week? Uh, it flew by. It did fly by. I was flew just by. thinking because last week was Black Friday. Uh, and me and Matt were talking about Black Friday things, I think. And then, boom, we're doing the podcast again. And Matt's also here. How you doing, Matt? I am yeah, doing all right. Yeah. Nobody, nobody asked. Oh, okay, sorry. <laughs> Jeez, <laughs> that's my that's my signature intro now. It is, yeah, yeah. Every time I'm doing all right, yeah. He's never not saying it. You are very habitual, Matt. I'm not sure what that means, but you're a creature of habit. Stuck, yeah, you're stuck to your your habits. You oh, got your yeah. habits, and you you do them. As Aaron used to say, I only have a few phrases. I just choose one of five phrases to respond to different situations. And they get cycled in and out. And... Yeah, <laughs> some get archived, some come back. <laughs> All right, we're going to start off with uh, video game fun facts. This is brought to us by Game Informer. Although I guess not really brought to us, but we accessed it. <laughs> they we are number to 20. Us. We are number 20 of our 25 fun facts. Um, so this one is Final Fantasy VII was a Nintendo exclusive Numbered Final Fantasy games were Nintendo exclusives until Squaresoft realized the Nintendo 64 wasn't capable of achieving its vision for the next installment in the series. That game was Final Fantasy VII. Due to the storage limitation of cartridges, Square created Final Fantasy VII exclusively for PlayStation. An ad for the game mocked Nintendo's medium, saying, Someone get the guys who make cartridge games a cigarette and a blindfold. Possibly the greatest game ever made is available only on PlayStation. Good thing, if it were available on cartridge, it'd retail for around $1,200. Why a cigarette and a blindfold? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. Don't look at the, don't look at the console because it's <laughs> not show, not, it doesn't have a cartridge on top of it, but also don't see the game and then also start smoking. Also, isn't that a bit rude to have like your entire franchise have been on that console? And then as soon as you break away, you're just like, those guys suck, you know? I mean, it depends, I guess, on how much trouble they had with them, maybe. I don't know. Get some, get some, Someone get the guys who make cartridge games a cigarette and a blindfold. Possibly the greatest game ever made is available only on PlayStation. But why a blindfold? Like a cigarette, it's like, hey, by the way, you know, we missed out on this opportunity. And so, you know, you need to calm down, I guess. But why a blindfold? I also like how they called their game possibly the greatest game they didn't say the greatest game ever made is available only on playstation well i don't know if it is or not i mean fair but in marketing everything you do is the best right no you can't you can't make that claim because it's not substantiated people people speak in hyperbole all the time yeah but you're legally not allowed to in marketing you can't say this is the best coffee in the world because you can't if unless you've proved in a lab that it is the best so you have to say one of the best yeah, yeah that's why they say clearly the proven all the time. <laughs> that's clinically proven. I never thought about that. I guess good for you. In certain the, cases, the thing I always hate is like when like a new phone comes out and they're like, "This is the this is the best phone we've ever made." I'm like, "Yes, I hope it is. It should be." Yeah, I would hope you would improve over the years. Yeah, right. All right, there you go. Fun fact for the for the day. Uh, we're going to hop right into the stories now. Phil Spencer denies plans to bring Xbox Game Pass to PlayStation and Nintendo. Um, this is from IGN. Just a couple of days after Xbox Chief Financial Officer Tim Stewart 
reiterated hopes to get Game Pass on comp- uh, competitor platforms like PlayStation and Nintendo, Microsoft Gaming CEO Phil Spencer has seemingly doubled back on that. In a new interview with Windows Central, Spencer was asked about Stewart's comments at the Wells Fargo TMT Summit, in which the CFO said, quote, Our mission is to bring our first-party experiences and our subscription services to every sc- screen that can play games. That includes, uh, or sorry, what we would uh, have thought of as competitors in the past, like PlayStation and Nintendo. Um, and then Phil Spencer responded, I'll start by saying we have no plans to bring the Game Pass to PlayStation or Nintendo. Um, it's not in our plans. End quote. Uh, I thought this was funny because I think I had just said last week that I think one day Microsoft will eventually have you know, Game Pass on competing platforms because they're moving more into a services model rather than a hardware model. But uh, what do you guys think about um, this definitive, like currently not no plans to bring it to other consoles? I was going to actually ask if uh, if the original comments were literally just said in hope, like our hopes are to do this and like this is what maybe what the team wants, but they're but he's saying there's no plans to do it. So like Phil Spencer is like rebutting saying there's no plans. That doesn't mean it's not on the wish list. Yeah, because it could be definitely like they talked about it. They probably had conversations about it. Right. But but they don't have actually plans in place to do that. Because I don't know if you guys remember, but a few years ago at the Game Awards, all three of them, you know, stood up together and they were uh, up there. Re- Reggie and uh, I don't think it was Jack Trent. I think it would have been Sean Layden back then for Sony and then uh, Phil, uh, Phil Spencer. And like, all three of them are up there sort of being cordial. And it was sort of like a moment. Right. Mm-hmm. And then right after that, we got things like game streaming. We got PC game or uh, PlayStation games on PC. So. I mean, the walls might break down even more next generation. Who knows? I also think that he might have wanted to walk this back a bit because they still want to sell hardware. And if you hear that Xbox is not necessarily focused on their hardware and they're going to bring their Xbox games to PlayStation, it might make you less inclined to invest in that ecosystem or that platform, right? And so he definitely wants people to think if you want Xbox games, you need to buy an Xbox or a PC. Right. Ra- right. Rather than go to PlayStation or Nintendo. Well, what what is with the so I know that we obviously have the two consoles, the X and the S, but wasn't there supposed to be like an HDMI stick, you know, as a potential? And then also in the Google TV space or the Android TV space, whatever you want to call it, um, if you sideload the Xbox Game Pass app, which I haven't done in a while. But when I did it about a year ago, um, I was, you know, reading under forums and figuring out how to do it. And the TV features were being added to this thing. Originally, you were unable to see the Xbox Game Pass app logo unless you had like a third party, like side loaded launcher. And then as the app updated, you have to like re side load it in because you can't just update it from the store. And when you re when people were side loading it in the the app icon was they're sized up for, for Google TV and it was ready to go. And yeah, we don't have any other TV only or like TV TV without a console experience other than Samsung gaming hub. I think Does Samsung gaming hub allow like game pass to stream or no. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's what it's there for. It's, so that's, it's that's GeForce the only... experience and game pass and maybe something else. I'm not sure, but so as far as we know, that's the only TV specific streaming platform for game pass. Yeah, like TV with no console. Yeah. 
um, <clears throat> which I find really weird because it's like, I mean, I guess you could mirror your phone or something like that, you know, one of those sort of ways. But in terms of like, you know, a, a complete TV experience, the only sort of set top boxes that can do it are just the Xboxes. But I just find it weird that they slowly added features that were in that would that were compatible straight up with Google TV. But then for some reason, it just never ended up coming to be. I wonder if still a lot of I mean, it's probably a majority of people have their TVs on Wi-Fi. And I wonder if that if they don't put the greatest Wi-Fi, you know, antennas in there. And maybe the, the experience just isn't that great um, streaming directly to a TV. But in terms of set-top boxes, it's like, okay, you got the Google, you got Roku, which I, I don't think they're on, right? And then Apple TV is not going to let them on, so they are uh, they might be limited. I don't know. just feels like a missed opportunity. It just feels like, because I, I know that um, when I was listening to ACG, when Starfield was coming out, he was suggesting to some of his friends to get, I think it was one of the Amazon Fire Sticks, and then sideload the Game Pass app on there, and then just get Game Pass Ultimate and stream it. And that would be the, the cheapest way to, to get into Starfield. And it's just, it's interesting to me that, I mean, sideloading is like a part of the Game Pass experience almost at this point, if you want to use it truly everywhere. And it just, it to me, it just doesn't, it just doesn't sit well that it's like, hey, Google TV is, you know, Android. You could just have it work on here. I know it's, I know it's obviously well, easier said than done. I'm not trying to whatever, but I'm not trying to discount that, but. And why do you have to sideload it? Is that because you get past like Google or Amazon's app store? No, it's just not on there. Like, it's just like, normally what you do is you go to Google play and you just download the app. Well, it's not there. So then on Android, you can just sideload things and you could just, you can just download the APK, which is the, um, the like actual app file. And then you can, you can just sideload it on there. Well, I mean, the, who knows how long their plan is to roll this out, right? Uh, this could take a lot of work or just they're taking their time because they don't want people to give up on the Xbox hardware. Right. Know, if they had streaming everywhere day one and everyone could stream, what would that do to their Xbox hardware sales? I don't know. but um, So maybe they're taking their time with it. But it is funny because a lot of their, their talking points is we wanted you to be able to game everywhere. Yeah. But yet, like I don't think... Is, is Game Pass workable on... Steam, uh, Steam Deck yet? Yep. Without having to load Windows? No, yeah, no, it's in there. Uh, it's, it's, okay, official, cool. it's officially supported. So it's through a browser, though. But Microsoft has official instructions oh. on how to go into the command line and make it so that I think it might be Microsoft Edge for Linux, how to get Microsoft Edge for Linux working and how to get Microsoft oh, geez, Edge for Linux well. working with the controllers. But it, no, but they are official instructions, though. But not not the best consumer experience. No, but I would actually argue that that's sort of what the Steam Deck is. Like if if for the Steam Deck is a great consumer experience if you stay in Steam. Mm-hmm. But the instant you walk away from Steam and you want to try something else, it, you're going to be hacking something together. I think it's, it's like Steam kind of when they p- pitched the Steam Deck, they they talked about how open the platform was and stuff and how you could load Windows on it if you'd wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um which makes it more like the uh the ROG Ally and and stuff, which um I think Microsoft just updated the uh, Xbox app to have a, a compact mode for for mobile handhelds and stuff. So I think they're slowly, you know, looking at their options. Um, maybe one I'm, day we'll see it I'm a little confused as to why it's slow, though. Like, why is it? It's it's an app layout to me, and maybe I'm not understanding some of the complexities. But well, it's it's not it's not reinventing the streaming infrastructure, as far as I know. And GeForce Now is 
Um, GeForce Now is on Google TV. Last my last I checked, and Steam Link the app is is on there as well. So it's just I'm just a little curious as to why why they're so hesitant. Well, Adriano told us because he streamed a bit and he was talking about how like since Starfield came out, there's there's been a wait time on Game Pass streaming. So maybe they need to build up their backend infrastructure, which takes time and costs money. Yeah, right? fair enough. So if they just had an app that was available on a bunch of smart TVs and streaming platforms, that might overload them in terms of the quality experience that they want, right? I'm honestly surprised that there is a wait time for Ultimate members. Although when I say that, it's not like GeForce Experience in which you can go on the free tier. So mm-hmm. I guess that that's kind of a mute point. I'm just looking at like where it's available uh, to stream. Yeah, so Game, so Game Pass? yeah, they have a list on their website. Android, it says Android OS 6.0 or later, and it says the Xbox Game Pass mobile app. Yep. So on Android, you can stream games through the app. Yep. There's even Google, touch controls for many. And Google doesn't care about bypassing the Google Play Store. Uh, nope. You can just get it right from the right from the Play Store. Uh, it says iPhone, iOS 14.4 and later, but that's obviously through a browser, not not through the app. Uh, iPads, same thing. MacBooks, uh, Mac OS 14.1.2 and later. Windows devices, Windows 10 version 20H2 and later. Um, but that's through the Xbox uh, app for Windows PC. And then the only other option here, smart TVs, 2020 and newer Samsung smart TV models with software version 1300 and higher. That That's almost it. makes me sound like makes it sound like it's an exclusivity deal when it you say like, like they that. Have a deal, yeah. Which maybe makes them money, but I mean, it's going to be slower for their rollout, right? Well, I do know that Microsoft and Samsung have been partnered on a lot of things, um, even on you know phones and such, with link to Windows and stuff like that, or link to PC now or whatever it's called. Mm-hmm. But all that stuff is they've been partnered with for a, for a long time. I assume they still are. So maybe this is just a part of that, right? Yeah. If I was Microsoft or I ran Xbox, I I'd have an app on on PlayStation <laughs> if they'd allow it. Maybe that's another thing too that maybe they won't allow it. Who knows if they've reached out and had early conversations with them about possibly bringing Game Pass over. Although yeah. EA EA Play is on Xbox and uh and uh PlayStation now, right? Yeah, but EA is not owned by Microsoft, for example. What I was no, going to say is, do you they're guys... allowing they're allowing a different service that is about purchasing uh, games? Yeah, on their platform. Yeah, but I'm sure that Mike that Sony is getting a piece of that, right? For Maybe. any purchases going through it, because I mean they let Netflix on there, and Netflix you don't necessarily have to subscribe. It's actually a good question because I have EA Play. Would it work on PlayStation? Your your like your account you're talking about yeah you like would your EA Play on PlayStation would it allow you to download and play games because it's EA Play, but like through Xbox Live or Xbox Game Pass Ultimate. So they they have a deal. It. They have some sort of monetary sharing deal. Yeah. But what I'm curious is is does that allow me to play EA Play on PlayStation? <laughs> oh, I see. Okay, I don't know <laughs> because maybe they maybe it doesn't, and then maybe Sony would get their piece. Then yeah, because. You have to you have to be logged into your Xbox account to get those games, right? Well, I would assume it linked the two. So if I log into my EA, is it then saying, "Oh yeah, he's good"? You know, he's he's licensed. I don't know. That's crazy. 
It does make sense though for Sony in a way because even though sure, I guess they're giving up some of the game sales, the games that are on EA Play are usually older. Mm-hmm. They're still getting the microtransactions, the the piece of the microtransactions, and there's going to be many people that do manage their EA Play subscription through PlayStation, and then PlayStation will get a piece. Hmm. So to the, to them, it's like, hey, why don't why don't we get a little recurring revenue on games that aren't selling anymore? Mm-hmm. May as well, and then also get that. I guess it is also recurring the the microtransaction money. All right. Well, I, I, I'm still going to say one day we might see it happen. I don't know how long it will take. But if they truly want their games available where people are playing games, maybe it will happen. Tomorrow night. No. <laughs> All right. Our next story here. Physical games have now fallen below subscriptions and virtual currency on Christmas lists. This comes oh, to us from, no. This comes to us from IGN. Uh, just as video games overcame toys at the top of Christmas lists, physical video games have now fallen away to virtual currency and gaming subscriptions like PlayStation Plus, Xbox Game Pass, and Nintendo Switch Online. Uh, As reported by GI.biz, the Entertainment Software Association found that 72% of U.S. children aged 10 to 17 wanted video game-related products for Christmas, but of them, only a small fraction actually wanted physical games. Subscriptions sat on the top uh, spot on Letters to Santa with 39% of children wanting them. Consoles followed at 38%. Accessories at 32% and in-game currency at 29%. The least popular option was the aforementioned physical games, which sat at 22%. Uh, when's the last time you guys have like bought and played physical games? Uh, a couple days ago. Really? Yeah, I ordered... Uh, there was like a physical copy of Jedi Survivor was on sale at Best Buy for Black Friday and Cyber Monday sales. And Kayla's wanted to play it for a while since we beat the first one, so... Oh, cool. I bought the physical one because it was half, half price. That's a recent game and a recent time you bought it. Wow. Matt? Uh, I I purchased uh, something last year during the uh, Black Friday or Boxing Day sales. I was, was going to say your PSP games don't count because that's like a... <laughs> that's oh, not, no, that's those a are, Those project. are new titles, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no, that's a retro project. No, no. Yeah. That, but no, in terms of modern gaming, like Watch Dogs Legion, I have it physically. Um, Far Cry 6, I might have it. I might have that physically. Far Cry 5, I definitely have... Re- uh, that That's an older one, though. But Far Cry 6, I'm pretty sure I have it physically as well. So, If uh, Next Gen rolls around and there is no... Or there is still physical games, are you still going to get a, a console with a disk drive? Yep. Really? Because it makes sense because, I mean, I got Watch Dogs Legion. Instead of $100, it was $30 after tax. Mm-hmm. So it was $100, I think, more for the console... 70% of that was was already saved just by Watch Dogs Legion, not to mention the other titles that I have physically, of which I have maybe three or four total on PS5, for example. Um, also, with Xbox specifically, I'd rather play my Xbox One games if, like, assuming they still allow the disc to work, rather than paying for them again. I will occasionally pay for them again if it's, like, two bucks, and it's mm-hmm. like, okay, then I, then I can put the disc away and kind of, like, you know, clear up some room. But, um... I'm not going to pay $30 for something that's just on the shelf. I'll just go pick it up and pop it in. It doesn't bother me. This is one of those cases where it's like with PC games, you have several online stores that will sell you licenses. So there is some competition there. You know, obviously Steam is the big player, but there's there's GOG, there's, you know, EA for their games. Um, I, I do think they have a couple non-EA games, don't they? Or am I crazy? 
I think Ubisoft might too, but I don't don't know for sure. There's Epic Game Store, and then you mm-hmm. have like the um, uh, what is it? Green Man Gaming, Good Ma- Green Man Gaming, Green Man Gaming. You have yeah. like sites like that where you can get. There's the Humble Bundle. Um, so there's definitely competition when it comes to licensed codes for digital downloads. I'm wondering how that would be possible to do that for console games. So I don't think we've really seen that happen. Uh, I think it does happen with Xbox. I thought I thought Xbox allowed there to be key resellers. So I don't know if that's true. No, actually, I'm almost certain it is. I'm pretty sure that you can get him get Xbox keys off a of green man. I thought maybe I'm wrong because I definitely feel like the competition angle for, you know, buying physical hardware is compelling. Right. But how do you how do you replicate that in a digital sense? And it's like we need to see PlayStation games be available for sale on some of these other sites. Right. Um, and it's also one of those those things that kind of boggles my mind. Like um, Best Buy is no longer going to sell physical movie um, Blu-rays. Right. Right. And it's like, why didn't they ever just make an online store for, for movies? Like, why <laughs> why do people go to Apple TV or or YouTube or whatever to buy their movies now? Why wasn't it the guys who were selling it before? And it's like they never built out their digital selling of movies. Right. And it's like they should they should have done this with games too. EB Games should have been selling digital codes, you know, 10 years ago. Right. Well, the thing with movies is really frustrating because they're it's it's behind so much DRM and mm-hmm. you know, like a movie I would I would like love to be able to purchase a movie and then put it where I like, put it on a Plex server, put it on my phone. Because if I travel, for example, like I'll load a couple of movies, like usually from Netflix, because you're allowed to download those. And then they, yeah. I don't know, they, they stay alive for whatever it is, 20 days or whatever. Um, I'll do that because I don't like being bored. And I know that when you travel, it's like, oh, shoot, we missed the bus or something. You know, it might be four hours. Mm-hmm. So then I can just sit there and watch something at the very least. Or if I'm just, you know, just sitting in the car and someone else is driving, I have, I just have like something to do. Can't sleep, something to do. That's yeah. what I liked it. Like I like to have those files and I would love to be able to just do that with my own movie collection. Like if, if there was a place out there that was not like a Google play or not like any of the other places we can buy things. And it was just quite literally just buy these movies. Here's the files. Boom. Great. And GOG yeah. has done that to us. GOG has done that for us for games. All their games are DR, DRM free, right? Yeah, as far as I know. So it's like, that's great. Like, that makes sense. Yes, I understand there's a risk of like, I could technically take that, distribute it to my friends and blah, blah, blah. But how many people are actually doing that? That's exactly it. And then why are movies so locked down because of that? To me, it's it's like, like maybe, maybe it's because obviously movies seem like it's a bigger market than games. Probably not money wise, but in terms of people watching, because like everyone watches movies. Mm hmm. Of all age groups, I mean. Right. So maybe that's the reason. But uh, if there was a if there was a DRM free movie purchasing place, that's where I'd get all my movies because then I could put it on a disc if I needed to. And I'm paying uh, for it. Like, I think even music dropped DRM. I remember iTunes, you know, having this big announcement where they they were removing DRM and you could actually pay to remove the DRM on the songs you had already purchased that already had DRM on them. mm -hmm. Like, I remember this happening. And uh, that was like a big moment. And cause it was weird, too, because like the whole idea of iTunes was, you know, you pay for the music and you don't you don't download an illegal version on Napster or whatever. Um, so it's weird that they then made it open for you to <laughs> basically send your song to whoever you wanted, you know. But 
that's exactly that, that's exactly my problem with it is that it's like I don't think music is worried so much about pirating anymore. No, for some reason, movies are so locked down. Um, I did actually confirm, by the way, that there are Xbox keys available. Um, The Xbox section of Green Man Gaming says it's not available in my region, Um, but on G2A, which I guess I know there's people that don't like G2A, but on G2A, there are keys for even Xbox Series X and S games, whether they're gray market or not. I don't know, but that they are available there. I mean, if you plug them in, they work, right? I mean, Uh, presumably they came from whoever generated that key. They weren't like fabricated keys, you know? Yeah. Well, in in any case, like we know that it's possible to purchase Xbox games. How they obtained them is the shady part. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's probably, I mean, unless it was, unless it was shady, like, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it's mostly people that are getting it like mm-hmm. EB games would, you know, where like they have digital codes in store. Yeah. But I think the gray market is like, you know, there was legitimate transfer of those keys to someone and something got skimmed off the top or something. Oh, right. I see. They, yeah, they yeah. were they were somehow obtained some way that they're not they weren't meant to be there. Right? It was like EB Games thought they lost them, and then somebody quote unquote found that box, and then however they sold them, or works. however whatever that crap works. Yeah, in. yeah. Um. So we have got some other uh, percentages here. Video game related products were the most popular Christmas gifts. Uh, period through. Uh, period though, with its seventy two percent, even overcoming money and gift cards at seventy percent. Clothes and accessories came in at 66%. Electronics and tech at 62%. Physical toys and games at 38%. Tickets and experiences at 32%. Arts and crafts at 28%. And books at 26%. Um, I'm not sure what these numbers are because that's greater than 100. So I'm not... Is that just... I was going to ask about that. (laughs) Popular Christmas gifts. I guess it's just... I guess if you ranked what you wanted, maybe I don't know. <laughs> or or can you can you end up there twice if you wanted, if you wanted Lego physically, and then you also wanted a console? I guess, yeah, maybe. Uh, the the ESA offered some other insight in its report, which surveyed more than five hundred children and more than five hundred adults. For the latter category, it found that one in three planned to buy video games for themselves or others, and fifty seven percent of parents considered buying video game uh, products for their children. That's pretty high number, right? I mean, you you stereotypically think you know parents don't like video games, but you hear you have fifty seven percent considering buying them for other children. That's probably quite a change from like even twenty years ago. I'd I think it's it's probably like a difference in 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 parent profession to an extent as well, mm-hmm. because like if you're like my girlfriend's an ECE early childhood educator, and like she will constantly say things like, "Oh, you know, it's good that they don't have screen time all the time." I don't have kids, but like. I would think, you know, don't burn their eyes out, but like, I wouldn't <laughs> care because they're going to be using screens all the time when they get older, mm-hmm. smart watches, smartphones, computers. And to me, it's like, get them good at it. You know, although like, I th- there was a there was now medical science, you have to be like careful because like one, one, one study does not mean the truth, right? You want multiple studies that are backed up to present, you know, what's true. But there was a study that said that uh, more kids are having, uh, are being short-sighted and needing glasses because most of their activity is done so close to their face now on screens and stuff, and they're not spending enough time outside, and so their vision isn't adapting to things farther away. And so there's a lot of kids now who have glasses who didn't need them before. So I do think that is a concern. I've kind of always wondered why so many people I know have glasses and stuff too. It seems a bit crazy. 
it's a fair point. Like, I mean, kids are developing. Like, I'm definitely not a doctor in any way. Um, so it's, you know, <laughs> maybe Dr. it's different Matt. in that way. Cause I know that like for babies, they'll be like, oh, you know, tactile feel of like, you know, this is a furry surface. This is a rough surface. This is a spiky surface. And this mm-hmm. is a this and this is a that. And it like gets them to, I don't know, gives, gets their sensory whatever's up, you know. Mm-hmm. But like off the top of my head without being a doctor, like I would just, I would just be like, yeah, whatever. Like here's, here's a screen, you know, that this is a better toy to me than, than a toy is like a physical toy. You well, can what, build Lego on it. You can do mazes. You can drive cars. You you know, the list goes on forever. There's the install too of like an iPad kid. Like, oh, that person was an iPad kid. Yep. You know, just spent all their time on an iPad and stuff. Everything in moderation. That's the, at the end of the day. Everything should be in moderation. Yeah. Uh, fi- finally here, we have more than 212 million Americans play video games regularly. Uh, so it comes as no surprise that games are on the top of this year's wish list, says ESA president and CEO Stanley Pierre-Louis. 212 million Americans play video games. I imagine they're including mobile games. You know, everyone's playing something on their phone. I'm doing freaking crosswords. Does that count? You know? That's a good question. Like, for, for the sake of the survey, I wonder mm-hmm. if that would count. Also, that's a small survey. Well, this has, this has nothing to do with the 212 million. But the, the survey was 500 kids and 500 adults. That seems like a small number to me. Yeah, it's not the biggest. I always get angry at these, these especially like political um, polls. It's like we, 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 uh, we surveyed 1,200 people. I'm like, there's 350 million people in the U.S. You know, is 1,200 really giving you an accurate picture of the entire population? Here it was 1,000 people. It's like, what? Maybe it's too expensive to do, to do a bigger survey. That sounds crazy to me, but anyway. All right. Anything to add, Tim? Um, I would be concerned about uh, kids with their... <clears throat> if they're always on a screen, they're always getting used to like immediate feedback, like the dopamine receptor mm. is just firing constantly. Mm. I think the biggest concern for that is like, that they don't learn to wait for things like they just demand everything now and now. So I think even beyond what Ryan said of like everything in moderation, I think, yeah, screens in moderation, but maybe even a little bit less than other stuff. Like as long as you can put it off, I would, I would put it off too. There was that, there was that Microsoft app, that family safety app or something where they're, oh, they were yeah. like, you're going to be able to have a conversation with your kid about how much screen time they have. I was like, I feel like, <laughs> I feel like that's like an, like a lab kid, like a lab grown child or something. Cause I feel like that kid's gonna be like, fuck you, dad. Like I want to play gears of war more or whatever. Right. Like, come on. What a choice. Well, we talked about that story of that, that kid who was, uh, who went like berserk when his Fortnite got taken away. And he was like banging on the window when they, when they sent him outside to go play. And he was like trying to tear his way back into the house and stuff. <laughs> That's what I, the wall apart. Yeah. And again, I, I, like you, Matt, I'm not a parent, but um, I always just felt like you're the parent. Take away Fortnite and don't give it back to them. But this kid was apparently like screaming and just uncontrollable. And it's like, OK, I, I have some sympathy for the parent now because like I don't know how you control that when they actually just go insane. You know? It won't stop. Yeah. Yeah. And it's so. That's uh, that's got to be tough, but geez, I mean, Fortnite's fun, but <laughs> I got some other stuff to do too. Well, the thing that the thing that sucks <laughs> is like I I would imagine 
reading parent manuals and parent magazines and stuff and advice is like golf advice where like one person will be like, you should always address the ball with it closer to your front foot. And the next person's like, the first thing you don't want to do is put the ball close to your front foot. And it's like, well, we're done here. Both of these are pros. I don't know what the hell's going on. Actually, I heard a good, a good, like if you're trying to gauge how much we actually know about a certain topic, the fewer books there are on that topic, the more we know about it. So if you have a bunch of opinion really? books on like how to play golf the best, let's say there's like a hundred books on how to play golf. That means no one really knows how to play golf. <laughs> you okay. Know? Okay. Like, if because if you find the answer, solved. yeah, if you find the yeah. answer, there's no reason to write new books. So there's a thousand childcare books because no one has really solved how to perfectly care for a child. It's also because right. like, like different kids, like some kids are just chill. If you were yeah. like, and you no know, more yeah, PSP, it'd be people. like, yeah. All right, let's move on to our final story. Game Awards beefing up their security. (laughs) (laughs) Against against long speeches. Oh, Oh, well, yeah, that someone needed to play the music sooner than that. I don't even think it occurred to them that to give time limits on on speeches because that that was insane. (laughs) Um, But this this is from GameSpot of all time. Yeah. After incidents involving unauthorized people appearing on stage to disrupt proceedings at Jeff Keighley produced shows, the Game Awards will see a security tightened up for this year's event. Uh, Keeley, the host and producer of the Game Awards, was asked in a Twitch Q&A live stream if there would be increased security measures for the show. And he explained, we don't have, uh, we don't want to talk about that stuff too publicly just because it's security. Uh, we definitely have plans and we're trying to do all we can to keep me safe, but also everyone watching the show, the audience, people participating in the show, and everything. It's certainly something we're thinking about. We appreciate the concern, believe me, that's something that is top of mind for us, but we also want uh, to put on a great show that celebrates these games and celebrates our love of video games. Uh, so that's an important thing to keep in mind as well. But yeah, I appreciate the concern around that. Um, yeah, he looked pretty disappointed last time when it happened at the uh, the um, Summer Game Fest. Is that what that is? He was really disappointed when that guy came up there. Thankfully, they haven't been violent. They've just been like kind of trolls or... You know, people just trying to look for attention or whatever. Talking about Bill Clinton or something, whatever that that kid was doing last year. Is <laughs> yeah. his rabbi Bill Clinton? Yeah. So, that so, one, that one was crazy because he he went up with the with the devs. No one's questioning it. It's like, oh, maybe he was on the team. You know, yeah, and he yeah. and he like won the draw out of the office to be there. Who knows? He stands there the entire time, silent. The speeches are done. They're on the walk off, and then he comes in. Because I remember we were watching. They were like, "What the hell was that?" Like, was that a joke? Like, was that, you know, was that real? Was that a Jeff Keighley joke? Like, what was that? This guy who walks up with the Elden Ring devs, who are all Asian. And he's, <laughs> it, was, it was so funny. <laughs> like, is he the intern? Like, is he just, he's there to... Maybe he was a translator. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah could have been a translator. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> so, I, so. I, I just, I always hate this, though. Because, like, it takes one bad person to ruin something. And I, it's like, I just don't want there to be a big barricade now in front of the stage. <laughs> you know, it's just it just sucks that that, that that bad people ruin like things, you know. What's so. what's a little unfortunate about it is that gaming, I guess, has gotten big enough now that this is that these considerations need to be there. It's like gaming was big for a long time, but we didn't really need to think about this type of stuff. Now it's like kind of like movie stars where it's like, okay, we need yeah. some security. Like, I wonder if there's any devs out there 
like does um does like any of the big devs out there like uh, Kojima travel with security? Probably are they not. are they like are they celebrity enough? Because there's like there's like B celebrities that are you know they have their big hits on TV, let's say, and so they're super popular for three years, five years, or something, and then they then they like that's it, right? They kind of, their popularity drops and people know who they are and will do selfies and stuff, but they don't travel with security. They don't travel with security at all. Right. And so it's like, is, are, are there any game dev publishers, anyone in the game industry that's popular enough to have to travel with security? I don't know. Maybe, maybe someone like Phil Spencer, but even then I don't, I don't think so, but I don't know for sure. In, in terms of game devs, I don't think so. No. No, because I I feel like ninety nine percent of the players don't actually know, you know, who these devs yeah, are. That's also fair. Yeah, I keep thinking it's really normal that people know like voice actors and stuff, and like forgetting that people don't actually know who the fuck Robert Atkin Downs is, and like you know Troy Baker and stuff. I I wish late night shows would bring on more video game people, both both mm-hmm. developers and and uh, like like or the directors of the games or whatever, and 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 voice actors. But I think I still think this this generation of um, late night hosts or just talk shows in general, talk show hosts in general aren't still aren't gamers, you know? And so they're not yeah. going to book, they're not going to book those kind of people, which is wild because the games are generating so much more revenue than movies and stuff. And yet they still have on like, and we just saw 212 million Americans play, play video games of some sort. So yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. It's a whole market. that's not being capitalized. Yeah. All right. That's it. That's all the news I got. Is that all the news you guys got? We look. Are we just? Are we just all looking at each other? I mean, I, I was looking through really. you. Actually, you're looking through me. I was looking through you. Actually, I I have a ridiculous thing that like Ryan and I were discussing yesterday a little bit. Okay. How ridiculous is it that a PSP battery was available with one day oh, shipping yeah. in Canada <laughs> from Amazon? Like, because you you were asking Ryan, you know, how hard is it to make? And I said, you know, it's it's more than likely not the cell. It's this it's the case, right? Because the case has to be uh, the right form factor for the device. The cell can be small enough, then the case wraps around it, and then it hooks into the PSP. And and that I'm just using the PSP as an example, but like there's other devices that have custom batteries like that, like cameras and stuff like that, where the cell can be the exact same voltage as another device, but the case around it and the circuitry leading to the pins has to line up with the with the thing, like. How how ridiculous is it that we have like a, this old device with one day shipping? I know the PSP is popular among like the hacking community right now, but one day shipping, <laughs> and with more than one option too. By the way, there were many one day shipping options. Yeah, so I I collect a bunch of my iPhones. Right, I have my very first iPhone, which was an iPhone 3G. Its battery like exploded, and I was able to purchase a new iPhone 3G battery, which is like. I don't know, 14, 15 years old now, right? Um, yeah, wow. I was able to purchase a new battery for it and put it in. I don't know how safe it is. I don't know if it's going to explode and, and light my house on fire. But, uh, That'd be but impressive. It's, it's crazy <laughs> that they're, they're, someone out there is still making <laughs> these products batteries. Was it still made or was it like a really old new one? old stock? <laughs> yeah. Uh, I have no idea. I, there is a, I guess, a lifetime on new old stock batteries because batteries will degrade even if you continually, like if you, if you do the preservation method of like just charging them when they're like low 
and then mm-hmm. not charging them to max and then leaving them and letting them with the device off. So letting it slowly go down and then repeat those batteries eventually will run out of cycles and they just age like naturally the chemicals age because this PSP, I used it like, God, I don't know, like six or seven years ago and the battery was totally fine. And then when I opened it up now, like I obviously had it charged at that point, when I opened it up now, the charger didn't work, even though it was just sitting on a shelf, it somehow got a bunch of gunk on it and it was in like a covered shelf and the PSP itself was in a case and the battery exploded and pushed the back off. And so yeah. it's like, like what happened? Like, <laughs> It's crazy how much force they have too. Where like, like I think my iPhone 4 one also exploded and it literally pushed the glass panel off of the phone. Oh, like, wow. It's just, it's insane, you know? Actually, I lucked out with my PSP. So like the back panel that covers the battery is a little loose because obviously it got warped by having a big battery underneath it. Mm-hmm. But luckily the clip gave way. It didn't break the clip. So I'm able to just still use my original like battery door and like it clips in just fine. It's just a little bit, this doesn't sit as flush as it used to. <laughs> I guess you actually want it to explode out the device because um, if it was under pressure, that's probably more dangerous. Um, yeah, if you didn't know that it was exploding, it's probably yeah, way worse, right? Yeah. Um, what can you do to prevent that? Do you have to like cycle charges? Well, I have like a, I have like a bunch of old, older phones and I'll like about I mean, and this is not like scientifically proven. This is just what I do. I just charge them up about once a year. Charge them up, power them on, see if they work, shut them off, leave it another year or two, power it up. Oh, it doesn't power up. It's dead or or powers up and it's at 10%. Okay, plug it in. Um, That's how I do it. This is the first battery I've had explode, actually. Um, But here's the thing, though, is like how many people are completely unaware that lithium ion batteries explode. And here's another thing. How many people have an old console like a PS3 that they just put in storage with a DualShock 3? Yeah. And then the DualShock 3, like obviously the battery is going to go poof. I kind of want to actually, now that you say that, maybe in 2024, I'm going to start opening stuff and take the batteries out. Because I'm not, if I'm not using it, but I like to preserve it, a lot of stuff just works if you plug it in. Mm-hmm. So I could always plug it in and use it if I want to like, you know, oh, a little nostalgia or whatever. My worry always is like, will will you no longer be able to find battery replacements at some point? So it's like I tossed out that original or, or properly recycled that original battery for my iPhone 3G and I bought a new one. But what if they didn't have a new one? Then I'm just like out a battery on this device. That's right. Yeah. Which, which sucks, you know? I mean, it, it at the end of the day, I guess it is just. No, I know it isn't. I was going to say it's it's just voltage. Just plug it in, but it's not that simple of a device. So. Um, here's some here's this is from nowmicro.com on how to prevent your laptop battery from swelling and exploding. Don't leave your device connected to a charger all day. Yep. Uh, replace your battery uh, if it's broken or not performing efficiently. Use the correct charger. Mm hmm. And then it just says upgrade your laptop when it's out of warranty. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing with the thing with laptops, though, especially laptop advice, is a lot of people only have a laptop. They wake up and they use that laptop all day. Then they use mm-hmm. it at night for Netflix and stuff. And that is their that is their computer minus their phone. Right. So it absolutely makes sense that when the warranty's done, like this thing is like basically a part of your hip, so you can just get another one. But none of this says like cycle the the battery at all. Oh, here's someone. Well, this is just a person. I don't know if this is true or not. This is someone just on Cora. They, they're saying drain and recharge at least once a, once a month. Once a month? Yeah. 
And I say, I don't do that. Like I didn't scientifically do this. I just, yeah. Now here's the thing though, is I'll, I'll say this. And like, this, this might even be like a, a conversation on environmentalism is like old phones and the PSP by association battery just comes out. If you told me, Hey, that battery's done in the year 2020, something like that. That's the expiry date. You got to toss it. I click a button. The door comes out. I toss that battery into the e-waste pile, right? Whatever. And that's it. Mm-hmm. That's how you get rid of it, right? You do, you just e-waste it. And then the plant recycles it or the hell it does. The thing is though, now it's like, Oh, you want to take the, the back off your phone? Well, get the heat gun out, get the tool. <laughs> yeah. People aren't going to do it. Yeah. Horrible. I, yeah. I'm kind of in a bit of a, 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 it's not that big of a pickle, but it's a, it's a little, little tiny pickle, small pickle. I, I collect, <laughs> I collect my old Apple devices, right? Like I just store them away and I just kind of hold on to them and take them out every now and then look at them. It's just, it's just my, it's my part of my fandom of Apple. Right. Um, but I also feel the need to recycle them properly, you know, before mm-hmm. they do become just in a landfill somewhere. And Apple, obviously, they have a recycling program you can send to them. They'll they'll resell it if it's like a new modern phone that still works. And if they can't resell it, they will recycle its parts and use them in their new products and then properly dispose of the rest that they can't reuse. Right. Yeah. And that, that sounds great to me, but it's like I want to I want to keep my old products. <laughs> I don't want to give them up. That's why I think it's, it's smart. And that's kind of what I mentioned is just to just to pull the batteries out. Mm hmm. Pull the batteries out, then you have it. And then, like like I said, most devices, some older ones won't, but most devices, if you plug it in, it'll just work off that. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to what we're playing. Uh, Tim? What are you um, playing? So I was trying to do some modded Baldur's Gate, but uh, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was working um, until Patch 5 came out um, yesterday or before. Yeah, evening before. And uh, so now I've got to kind of hold off because uh, as I wait for the mod creators to like update their uh, mods for the patch for compatibility. Um, but I also kind of got back into playing World of Warcraft a little bit Ooh. with the World of Warcraft classic season of discovery that they're doing, which is where it's like OG classic. But there are some like new things and different things. There's different game mechanics. There's different um things to like to discover which is where the name comes from which is kind of interesting it's like it is classic but they're trying to keep it a bit fresh i think because when i was talking before about how um um or when when you were talking about something that it was like oh with the books that like we we know how much we know about something if there's like not a lot on it because if we already know the answer then we don't have to write anything new Mm -hmm. if that problem's been solved right like wow is a solved game like people know the best <laughs> class they know right. like or the best the best damage they know the best you know tanking blah blah blah. everything people all, all the information for everything is out there for world of warcraft right mm-hmm. um especially for like classic and stuff so to keep it a bit fresh is uh is interesting and like when i played it on thursday night it was it was a uh 35 minute queue to even get onto the server. There were so many people that were jumping on to play it. So it's pretty, uh, pretty wild. But aside from that, um, Kayla and I finished our playthrough of Baldur's Gate. I think I said maybe last week. Oh, wow. Been talking about potentially starting up another one. So we'll see Jeez. if and when that ever happens because 
there's other things we want to do oh and then with patch five as well they added it's funny it's something that we were kind of talking about um uh between ourselves was that like the ending of Baldur's gate is pretty like abrupt for given like how much lead up there is for that like whole game um so we were talking about how like it would be kind of nice if there was even just like a little epilogue where you could like you know see characters a little bit later or like talk talk with them about like what had happened through your adventures and things like that and patch five literally added an epilogue where it's like six months later you get to talk with the characters about events since the end of the game and you know what they're doing now and etc cetera, etc cetera. so that it's kind of good i was just gonna say it's it's funny that that came up like right after we talked about it that explains why i heard like that the update added like three thousand lines of additional dialogue so yeah because it they they said it was a big um task to do that because there were so many uh permutations that you can make through your game right and so in the epilogue they kind of talk about mm. uh, all the decisions you made right or like certain conversations will come up in terms of uh what what decisions you made so that's quite interesting I found but, it. I found it interesting in Baldur's Gate that it seems to build up to the town. I haven't beat this, but like Aaron was saying that I just need to get one more item and then I can just go and tackle the end. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, to build up to Baldur's Gate, like quite literally getting to the city, and I'm there and there's a lot to do. But I thought there would like I would th- think that the, the the city would be the hump of the story, and then I would peter, you know, back down almost the same length of time and it just that's just it doesn't sound like it's the case at all no it, it really does just like you kind of get to the city and then you can do as much or as little of the city as you want and you can do the main story and then it you can pretty much just go to the end and do that and then it's there is like a little uh you know there are some post-credit scenes depending on what ending you choose some are better than others some are longer than others um but aside from that like it it really is just like the climax of the story and then the fall is very is very quick i think I was kind of against playing this game again just because I've been playing it so like much and I have like different yeah. playthroughs and stuff. Yep. But I, I've, I've abandoned my single player story. But I think I do kind of want to go back and play alone just because Aaron, Aaron's been really kind of like helping me through the game and he's been taking charge. And, and so I haven't really been paying attention to a lot. And I think he got a little, uh, <laughs> I think he was getting a little sick of carrying me um, because we had had this mission where you 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 fight a hag and and I didn't do the I missed whatever details I needed to hear or take part in to do some ritual to save some kid from the hag. And so I lost the kid and, and Aaron wasn't, he wasn't helping me any longer. So (laughs) (laughs) he wasn't giving me the, uh, the the, the path I needed to take. Yeah. Professionally. So so I want to kind of play on my own (laughs) and pay more attention. You know what though, with, with that being said, with the, the helping is like with a game, like even Elden Ring, like Tim, like you and I played Elden Ring all the way through Mm -hmm. Yep. And like, as you, cause I don't really like being totally lost. I liked exploring, but I don't like being yeah. completely lost. Yep. And so like there was, there was times where it'd be like, you know, I'd, I'd hop on and we would play for a while. And then you kind of like acclimated me to the environment. And then there'd be a couple of times where like, I would hop on like an hour before you, you, you jumped on and I would just run around and do stuff. Get like the familiarity or like the guide, like help me through the game. So it almost makes sense that you want to go back through Baldur's Gate, Ryan, because mm-hmm. you've kind of had your guide now. Cause you're kind of like me, I guess, in that aspect where you don't want to yeah. be completely lost where it's like, where do you go? I don't know. Look around. And you know, it just kind of gets to the point where it's like, too much too much I'm, freedom is is actually a negative in my mind. 
yeah, it's just kind of we're like, I'm going to go play Starfield and load four times. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but it, like it just it makes sense with the guy, because like even if right now, if I was just like if I decided a, a hankering to play Elder Elden Ring, I could just go do that. And I wouldn't remember absolutely everything and where everything was exactly, of course, but I would be comfortable enough in the world because I've been helped in the world <laughs> to be able to play it without being frustrated, I think. Minus the difficulty. Yeah, like, I think you... I, I, I would... Uh, I, I kind of disagree with, with Aaron when you're saying, like, the... Um, that, you know, he wanted... It sounded like he wanted to do everything, like, the particular outcome, like, or what he viewed to be the best outcome depending on potentially like rewards that he may or may not know that you get for doing quests a certain way. And like, that's, I, I really like knowing a game really, really well inside and out to be like, okay, I want to do this kind of playthrough and I know exactly where I have to go to get all the gear that I need and blah, blah. Like I like ha- having that level of knowledge about a game, especially one where it's like so replayable, like Elden Ring or, uh, or Baldur's Gate. But at the same time, I do also really like the organic nature of like, not knowing the meta of the game yet so i don't know like oh i should get this particular outcome for this quest because i'll get the best reward like sometimes not knowing leads you to different outcomes that you otherwise wouldn't see because your brain is always going to stop you and be like oh the reward's not as good mm-hmm. um don't do it that way and then you never get to see what the what the alternate outcome is right so mm-hmm. i uh i do enjoy doing it in such a way where uh, sometimes uh, really getting to enjoy that part of the game where you don't know everything yet. And because uh, then sometimes you'll you'll end up p- potentially unexpectedly enjoying an alternate story that you would have otherwise not seen because you'd be like, ah, this isn't the best way to do this. Is he going, is he potentially going for all the trophies? Is he actually going to try to platinum the game, Ryan? Do you know? Oh, I think he'll, I think he he will, he will want to platinum it. Yeah. Okay. But I don't I don't know if he's going for certain outcomes or stuff. I don't know. I don't know what he did in his personal playthrough, but I mean, he because uh, I also played Elden Ring with with him. I don't know if I'd actually have been. I don't think personally I would be able to get through a FromSoft game alone, and so Aaron mm. Aaron helps me through it, and he does kind of guide me to certain items and stuff like that. Um, but I don't know what he does in his personal playthroughs if he's trying to get the best stuff all the time or not. I would say with if we all had Elden Ring on PC and all had seamless co-op, that would be pretty good. That'd be mm-hmm. pretty fantastic, I think. Yeah. Matt, what are you playing? Me? Yeah. Uh, I've officially started my PSP project. Um found my PSP a while ago. It's just been sitting on a shelf behind some stuff. Uh, finally gained the courage, I guess, to uh, take all the stuff out of the way, which was just like a box and a table. <laughs> anyway, just moved that very stuff. Brave. Got the yeah, very brave. Got the uh, got the PSP. Found the charger. Um, had to clean up the charger because it wasn't charging properly. Fixed that. Uh, got a new battery. Literally one day shipping, and uh, put it in, and the battery's at full. Just came in full, so that's good. Uh, did not get an extended battery. Just got a regular one because with old tech, I just use what the spec says. I'm not going to mess around. Um, but yeah, so I got that. And uh, I also, even before I got the battery, I started playing Ratchet and Clank Size Matters. Started a new save. One of my saves is from 2009, which is fucking wild. Nice. Uh, the other save is from 2017. That must be when I when I picked it up. You know, when my that was when my internet was down for like three weeks. So I had that. And then uh, what's the other one? 
I reinstalled some stuff anyway. No. So right now I'm, uh, I'm third or fourth world in ratchet and clank. Uh, size matters. I'm in the third or fourth world. I'm going to try to beat that one first and then I'll go on to the other ones, but th- it's crazy. Like this is just a fully fledged old school ratchet and clank game. This is very much just like ratchet and clank one, the controls without the analog stick, the second analog stick are definitely kind of like, eh, but that what a great game. Like, com- like I definitely understand why it was reviewed rather well um, for the time, especially for, I want to say it was a launch title. Um, I think I maybe looked at Metacritic and had like a seven or something. That's from memory. So that might be wrong, but um, I have found a collection of games that I didn't even know I had on the PSP. Uh, there's still a few left in the shelf that I never explored, but I had a literally like a, just a, a layer on the shelf of just UMDs all on the same shelf where the PSP was at. And there's a bunch of games in there that I either haven't played or haven't played much. And so I'm going to jump into those. There's a dynasty warriors game in there. Um, there's a, uh, um, what's that game called? Gangs of London in there, those type of things. So some of these are actually a part of my backlog that I want to do. Some of them I'm going to add to it. And then I also have the Godfather Mob Wars, which came in a few weeks ago, as well as Band of Brothers, or no, Brothers in Arms D-Day. So I'm going to, uh, I'm I'm just doing the PSP project now. Just working working away on that. PSP is holding up pretty good. Um, some of the buttons are a bit used because I definitely used the crap out of that thing when I was younger. But some of the buttons are a little used, but everything's working right now, which is nice. Man, uh, last last time I tried to connect my PSP to the internet, it's like the security of the Wi-Fi was way too high. Oh yeah, it can't. It you, can't it, figure it, that it out. Can't, it can't connect to it. Yeah. Well, here's the crazy thing with the with the era in which PSP came out is that it had Wi-Fi, which was like unheard of. First of all but it had like a switch for it. So by default, that switch is off, I think out of the box. And then you can like switch. It's like a WLAN switch, a physical switch. This isn't like software button. Right. And then you, cause like most of the time you wouldn't have it on. And that also comes from the era in which you turn off your Wi-Fi to save battery power. Um, cause I remember on phones and stuff, it was like, Oh, if you left your house, you better turn off your Wi-Fi, uh, better turn off your Wi-Fi so that, you know, you save battery. And then when you come home, then you can turn it back on. That I mean, comes that, from that era. That, that still would save your battery. Like even today. Uh, I, I was, I've been told that apparently it's like so negligible or even not true now. It's like 0.3%. Maybe, but I mean, your phone's constantly searching for Wi-Fi. That's, that's true. Yeah. Like, I mean, I haven't tested this myself. This was like some mm-hmm. God knows like how to preserve your battery on your phone article or something. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, so the, yeah. So the PSP projects are in full swing now, I suppose, uh, have not, have not touched Skyrim or not Skyrim Starfield at all. Haven't no. touched it at all. I keep wanting to go play it, and then I'm just like, oh, let's go do something else, um, which is a little unfortunate. But finished the Fortnite season, the OG season. I wanted to do this one because every other, like, oh, well, there was the original, original season had, I think it was the Red Knight or Red and Black Knight. And then they released in the item shop a female version of that so you could purchase that because people really wanted that skin. So it's like, okay, we're not going to re-release that skin, but we'll really release like a, a, an adjacent skin, I guess. This one had like a pretty cool knight character and you can set all of their colors, like the, their different armor pieces and stuff like that. So I was like, fuck it, I'll do this. So I did that, um, got some of the, you know, sort of what I would call the remix versions of things like the the Viking dude from back in the day. There's like a remix version of him. So I finished that season up uh, and, uh, you know, I'm excited to see what the heck is happening in Fortnite because there's apparently a crazy event about to happen. So that's that's kind of cool. I think actually as of tomorrow, according uh, as of recording this. But um, other than that, a little bit of PGA, 2K23, and <laughs> I think that's it. That's been my week. 
Uh, my week has been kind of odd because um, I played uh, Skyrim. Yeah, that was strange that you were just sort of like, I'm going to play Skyrim out of nowhere. Well, it, it, they had a sale. It was like 10 bucks for the anniversary edition. Yes, I have Game Pass and I could play the normal version, but it's like 10 bucks for the anniversary edition. You know, that's 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 all right. And um, I just, I don't know. I don't know what, I have no idea what drove me to actually play it, but uh, I booted it up and I was like, man, this feels awesome. Uh, I really enjoyed that game and, and, and played it quite a bit when it came out. And I think we were in college, right, when that came out? 2011. Yep. So my my nostalgia my, my nostalgia feels was going pretty hard. So that was fun. I don't know, man. It, it's so weird. I I'm not really nostalgic for many games past high school. Like really? even Follow Three. Follow Three kind of bridged the gap. I feel like Follow Three came out in our last year of high school, and then I played it into college, into early college. So because I know that New Vegas came out when we were in early college. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, and I remember. So, I remember grabbing it. Yeah, yeah, because I remember going to pick it up as well. The the collector's edition. So like, this like to me it's just it's so weird. It's like anything after that, I'm just like I, I like obviously like some of the games that have come out, but I just I'm not nostalgic for that stuff yet. And especially Skyrim for some reason. Actually, we were there midnight launch for Skyrim, man. We got those big ass uh, collector's editions. Yep, I like <laughs> Skyrim. Like I like the game. I definitely have the collectors and all that stuff. I played a bunch of it, but it's just. I just barely remember a bunch of the quests. I barely remember the world. If I played it short of the introduction, because obviously I be- made a bunch of characters and done the introduction about a million, a million and a half times. If I were to get over the hump of the introduction, the game would almost be new to me. <laughs> so I barely, I, I don't remember it barely. There's just such a good like vibe to the game. And just, it just feels good. I don't know what it is. It's a great fantasy game. I'd love it. I'm playing it right now. I oh, think the okay. th- what the hell? I was gonna say like, do you get bored of the tundra? Because Tim and I have had that conversation a bunch. Where one of my big problems was the tundra is just boring. It's like dirt, rocks, snow sometimes, and some evergreen trees. <laughs> I mean, sure, um, but Skyrim, there's there's a lot of stuff to do. There's a lot of like points of interest on the map and stuff, right? Yeah, yeah I, I think I just good. like the 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 pristineness of Cyrodiil. It's like, this is like the pristine crown jewel of the empire. It's like super nice. I like the, the, like the color palette, even though yes, it's blurry because it's old, but like, I just like that place. And it's like the, the main city of oblivion is this, like, this is the place to be, mm-hmm. you know, this is the capital. This is the the peak of everything we are as the empire, I guess. I don't, I mean, obviously the next, Elder Scrolls is going to look better than than Skyrim or or Oblivion and stuff, but I almost like it not looking. I don't know. This this is again the nostalgia thing creeping in. You know, I almost want it to look the way Skyrim looks instead of them going for like a super realistic game. Like, um, Starfield looks pretty good. Sometimes it, it's it's lacking some visual charm. Which I think Skyrim has. Starfield is realistic. Yeah, the games definitely have a style to them. Like they're they're not hyper realistic at all. Yeah. Like you look at Starfield, you look at Fallout. Like there's definitely a style to them. Like those games could look a lot better than they do. Mm-hmm. Like Fallout they especially, I think. Yeah. Well, Tim, like you and I had this discussion a couple times where like the different versions of Skyrim, and obviously like it's gone through editions. 
Do you really recall it being like from the original version? Has it been upgraded visually a lot? Obviously, the the, the Switch version is its own thing. Wait, Skyrim? Yeah, like I'm curious whether Skyrim has been updated a bunch across had, special had, edition and. Had, yeah, I had that whole overhaul for the like the next gen consoles where they completely redid the artwork. Not not completely, but they updated the artwork. They updated like the lighting and certain assets. I think I don't think a ton was done because it still has the feel of Skyrim. Like if you. If you ha- if you had played the original Skyrim and then you looked at Skyrim in like an unknown location, like not something iconic, right? Like a random room, and you looked at the anniversary edition of it, you would probably recognize it as Skyrim. Do you know what I mean? Yes. Okay. Because there's, there's it, comparisons I think you could find to see what differences they made. Right. Okay. But it hasn't like undergone like some of those <laughs> some of those crazy things that they've done to Morrowind, where Morrowind just becomes like. Oh, no, like, I don't why think is this so. like 4K? <laughs> no, but I'm playing it right now. It looks it looks good. It looks nice. Playing it at 1440. The I mean, you can tell it's an old game, but uh, I think it's pretty good. Tim should help you with some mods. That big mod pack that he played. 400 plus. 400 plus. Like you just all of them went in in one go. Yep. Or did you do was that over? It was time? a mod pack, so like. It was all curated and stuff, but four hundred, and I added a couple extra myself just for my own. The nudie mods, I can understand. Nudie mods, yep, mm-hmm. big big old swangers. Oh, oh, okay. Is that the name of the mod? <laughs> yeah. Schlongs of Skyrim is what it's called. <laughs> I actually don't mind that. <laughs> I do. Oh, okay, sorry. Um. Well, that's it. I mean, other than Baldur's Gate and and Overwatch and Fortnite. And Spider-Man, too. Holy crap, Ryan. Yeah. All right, Tim. Do your thing. Hey. Do your thing. Um. Yeah. Oh, I forgot to say what I've been playing on stream. I started playing uh, Dragon's Dogma again, the original one. Oh, shit. Um, because of the trailer drop, the release date for Dragon's Dogma 2 coming out in March. I really thought that this game was bigger than it is, but it's clearly like... um. It's really not. It's really pretty niche, weirdly. Um, surprising me. So I uh I've I've been having a lot of fun actually going back and playing it again because it's uh it's 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 still to this day, it's kind of an older game now. It came out the year after Skyrim, but it's got a pretty satisfying um magic system. The magic in that game is really, really fun. And it's even kind of got multi-classing as well. So you can do like a, you got your standard melee class, range class, magic class, and then you can do a hybrid of any of the a hybrid two of any of the three. And um, it's very like, I think the, the last time that I played it, I wasn't really like into it as much because I was more so playing like single player RPGs and I wasn't big on party type RPGs where you have to have a bunch of characters and manage them and manage their equipment and stuff. And kind of the gimmick of, of uh, that game is that you have what are called pawns. They're like these characters that you summon and everyone who plays the game has their own pawn that they customize and they're like a companion character. And then you, every time you like go to the town and like rest, it uploads your like pawns data to a database where you and any other people can go online and you can find other people's pawns and like download them to help you. So you and I actually saw the system or uh, in a different game, Matt, when we played Xenoblade Chronicles X on the Wii U, 
Okay. We thought it was multiplayer, but what you would do is you would go online and you would download like an NPC version of other players' characters that would help you out in the world. Okay. It's it's that essentially. So um Is it yeah. still active? Um yeah, I there were still people's characters that were on there that I've been and they're all different levels too. So like as you level up, you can go back and you can recruit higher level pawns to help you and stuff. And yourself and your pawn level up as you play the game and they rank up with their like class and stuff. Okay. But but uh the ones that you summon in do not rank up. So every once in a while you gotta go back and like swap them out for a higher level pawn that someone else has, has uploaded. But yeah, it's uh it's it's good. It's it's fun. I I the magic is like the biggest thing for me. It's like really weighty. There's like the really good punch to the uh to the magic spells and stuff and um I'm going like full sorcerer like all in damage magic so I uh you do eventually get to a point in that game where you're like charging up a spell you hit like to cast the spell and your character is standing there you can't move and they're doing this animation where they're like waving their arms around and they're waving their staff and it's doing this all big like charge up for like 20 30 seconds and then when you finally are done and it's it's cast and you can release it it just spawns this like massive tornado that just like whips characters around and stuff and it's like ripping the earth out of the ground it feels like you're actually like it's it's i find a lot of the times in games like like just as a com- immediate comparison like skyrim like you can cast fireballs at the at the enemies and it hits them but they don't like react at all mm. in the same way that you can hit them with the sword and they don't react but in this game it's like you hit a character with magic spells and they actually like go reeling and they fly back or they get staggered or whatever like there's such good weight to the to the magic in the game so i haven't gotten that far through it but for the little progress that I've made, it's it's been really enjoyable. So, turn based? No, it's real time. Okay. So it's uh, and then you have all your other your pawns running around like helping you and stuff. So I've got like one character, um, who's like a, a sword and board type character is my pawn. So she's she's like the tank, and then I'm the all in damage magic spells, and then I have another mage who can do like damage and utility, but also healing, and then like a bow character. So. That's typically the the party construction that I go with, and uh, it's it's pretty doable. Like there was a a couple of times where it's one of those games where you'll go into a certain place and like things will just be a higher level than you, and you if you're not the right level, you should probably come back later. But we did manage to like, you know, with with kiting all around and like running till the uh, um, just running infinitely in circles around this bigger enemy until it, it died because I can just attack it constantly while I run around. And uh, if anyone, if any of the pawns go down, get like knocked down, you just run up and you can revive them instantaneously and they get half their health back. So they just get back up and start running around. So it's pretty, uh, it's pretty forgiving in that regard. But uh, if you ever go down, if you ever hit zero, it's like game over. And you have to go back to your last save or autosave. And the game does not autosave frequently. So you can definitely lose like a lot of progress. But it's one of those. Um, yeah, that's what I've been doing. So all this to say, if you're a fan of older RPGs or Dragon's Dogma or looking forward to Dragon's Dogma 2 in March, twitch.tv, twitch.tv slash the sidetrack, where I'll be playing it for probably a little bit. And you can see us streaming. Probably Baldur's Gate again. Possibly. Possibly. Uh, twitch.tv slash Patch Media, Wednesdays, 9 p.m. Eastern. All right, man. This week potentially the last time on a hard drive. <laughs> yeah, that's right. As long as you buy that cooler, man. 
Yeah. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.